0: Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends, this is Amy Lee San Juan and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco champion radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across this across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends of course if you have any thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode you can let us know on twitter at at cisco champion and just a side note the cisco champion program is now open for applications so if you are interested in joining this very exclusive group of technologists and perhaps host your own cisco champion radio episode make sure to apply by january 12th we'll provide the link in the show notes below okay Today, we are going to dive into Cisco ACI and we'll touch on the integration with Nutanix. Uh, We're gonna cover a lot more. Uh, We'll have our Cisco expert give us a better overview to set up our conversations. But of course, before we do that, we are going to start with introductions. And always go in alphabetical order. So Alexander, we're gonna start with you.
1: Hey, Emily. Um, Thanks for having me on this podcast. Uh, My name is Alexander Deka. I'm a principal engineer working for NTT Data. Uh, based out of Belgium, CCIE and data center. So I'm looking forward to having this con- conversation
2: with those guys here. Uh, uh, thank you. The, the, the ink isn't even dry on that CCIE. Yeah, so huge congratulations. Yeah, I know.
0: You have to tell everybody. That's a, that's a huge accomplishment. So congratulations. All right, Liam, you're up next.
2: Well, my name is Liam Keegan. Thank you again for having me. I I love all things ACI and and especially automation. Um, Yeah, my name is Liam Keegan. I am the uh, chief technology officer for 24 seven networks, Rio Bravo systems. We're a multinational um, Cisco integrator and uh, services provider uh, with operations in the US and Mexico. So I take care of all things technical across the whole organization.
0: All right, Michael. How about
3: My, you, what do you do? Sure, Michael Whitty. I am a principal architect at Worldwide Technology and um, we are right now about three years into creating content and labs and all kinds of things like that for customers in our field uh, for data center networking, right? So ACI and XOS um, pretty much integrations with other you know OEMs. So we, we work and we wanna make sure that customers can actually use the products when they get them, and we do a lot of training and help
0: them out. It's amazing. Okay, Jim, thank you for being on the podcast today. Can you tell us what you do at Cisco?
4: Sure, Amy Lee, and thank you for setting this up, and thank you to all the champions for being here with us today. I'm a ACI Core Product Manager, and what that means is that I manage. Uh, product differentiation, go-to-market strategy, and really the entire feature pipeline for new ACI releases. So day-to-day for me is to really talk to our customers and listen, talk to our account teams and listen, and talk to folks like this that are here with us today to try to figure out what customers need, uh, what business cases and use cases we can build so that we can ultimately come up with which features to bring to market in a given ACI release. And Today, one thing I'd like to talk about in addition to what's new in ACI is really um, Cisco just announced a global partnership with Nutanix uh, that is multifaceted and sort of. From a timing perspective, uh, an ACI 603F, we've just come to market with a virtual machine integration and added Nutanix to that portfolio, which right now consists of Microsoft, uh, VMware from a type one hypervisor perspective, and also our open source integrations with OpenStack and OpenShift. So I'm I'm happy to be here and I look forward to having a, a nice conversation.
3: Um, Jim, could you could you kind of like just cover what VMM integration is for, for the folks that really ha- have not had experience with that?
4: Yeah, sure, Michael. And let me start with really the problem that we're trying to solve with VMM integration, and there are really two of them. The first is that in most IT organizations, network constructs are configured physically by a network operations team, and a virtual network construct that sits in a hypervisor is configured by a compute team. And so when you have two points of handoff for the same network constructs, you introduce a lot of human error and you introduce a lot of lag in terms of how long it takes to stand up new applications. So one, or I guess I I should say, the main benefit of VMM is to really build a single source of truth. Into how we are configuring network constructs. And typically, the source of truth is ACI. And when these network constructs like VLANs and EPGs and bridge domains are built, those are sent to the hypervisor of choice using an API call and then programmed into the hypervisor. The second big problem we're trying to solve is with visibility network engineers really crave the ability to, to be able to see V motion or events having to do with a virtual machine so that they can use it for day two and troubleshooting purposes. So configuration front end and uh, day two visibility are the real big, um, real big use cases for VMM and, and a true ACI differentiator there.
1: Right. Hey, Jim, so if you're talking about integration uh, with hypervisor of choice, what is underlying actually using? So, if we say like, okay, ACI is doing the integration, what is it using actually to do so? Sure. So, typically, there there are two ways to answer that. So, with
4: a with an opinionated hypervisor, and when I say opinionated, I mean something like Microsoft's CVMM, VMware, or Nutanix. We are strictly using public APIs that are provided by the third party vendor of choice, and. A lot. I have a lot of times customers ask me, could I actually build the same integration that you guys are building with VMM? And the answer, of course, is yes, but the big but is that that strategy requires a customer to keep up every time, uh, for example, a VMware is upgraded. The API calls need to be changed on ACI and vice versa. Every time there's an ACI upgrade, there are subtle differences between API calls. So what you're really getting from Cisco with VMM from the opinionated hypervisor perspective. We do all that work for you. We keep up with the upgrades, not only from our systems, but from 3rd party systems like Microsoft and VMware so that we take that load away from the customer. The second integration we have uh, with with open source systems like OpenStack and OpenShift is is also API-based, but it's also based on OpFlex. And we put OpFlex clients into a compute node. And we're really able to realize robust integrations with OpenStack and OpenShift, either from Red Hat or from Canonical and others, because we're able to actually extend the ACI policy model contracts Filters into those hypervisors to provide true east-west microseg. So um, VMM really spans that whole portfolio, and I would divide it between uh, an opinionated uh, vendor-based type one hypervisor, and then OpenStack and OpenShift in another bucket. Right. I yeah. think that's valuable information.
3: So, 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 oh, please go ahead. Go ahead. Now you got. It.
2: So, so maybe we just like, like I mean, we, I think you talked about like the day one ops, right? But let let's like use like the specific like just dirt simple example, right? Is uh, you know, I, I work, I, I support the network, and I get a ticket to set up a new subnet, right, or a new application subnet, or something like that, right? Like, uh, we need finance needs to deploy some new app. Sure. Right. And so the the the, the normal workload is, all right, I do the ACI stuff. I create maybe an EPG. I create you know a subnet. I statically assign some ports. Life is good. I you know I go through and map you know my, my static epgs to all my vmware hosts that takes forever right <laughs> right <laughs> and and with 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 vmm right what what happens is you do that work but the apic has an api hook into for instance nutanix or uh, hyper v or um vmware or vCenter, right to create like a port group or a network or a you know vlan in the VMware or Nutanix ecosystem, right? So it's doing both sides of that work that normally you would take that ticket and hand off, right? And and is that a like just at like the basic from a plumbing level, Jim? Would you say that that's like that that encapsulates what it's doing?
4: Liam, absolutely. You've just embodied the configuration and the day one front end part. And I'll I'll take what you said um, on a different path. Yeah. So. Um, ACI remains the most unique SDN on the market, really the only SDN that combines hardware, software, and controller. And so from an automation perspective, it's the only SDN on the market where we can take a single API call to APIC and push the intent to hundreds of switches and thousands of ports, sometimes with a single API call, for example, to create a VRF. So when you combine that capability with VMM, from your automation front end, not only are you spreading intent to Hundreds of uh, Nexus 9000s thousands and thousands of ports, but via the VMM integration that was called from your API call, you're actually spreading that intent to the hypervisor domain as well to really come up with a single uh, source of truth and a single configuration front end for those folks that have, are leveraging Terraform or Ansible or even Python for, uh, for ACI configuration.
2: Well, you, you probably have to buy a really expensive license to do that
4: no absolutely not no we have
2: a question what what a great question (laughs) no we
4: we can all, all the all the automation from the apic api is uh yeah is included out of the box and we have many large customers that have really built their entire um their entire operational model around the apic uh ui and around the apic api so that Even from a ServiceNow ticket entry perspective, ServiceNow integrates with Ansible, for example, or Terraform Cloud for Business, and intent from a non-technical user about what they need from a network can go all the way from input and ServiceNow to an automation platform to the APIC, and in the event that VMM is being used, really all the way to the hypervisor. And like I said, some very advanced ACI customers are using that exact workflow. It's very powerful.
3: So so, if I'm a customer, right, and that's that's not using VMM integration, what what would you tell them um, to look into? Because one of the the challenges that that I've seen is you have this separation of church and state, right? Where, <laughs> right. Um, where, where you know the I VMware know folks, yeah. the VMware folks are responsible for everything that is vmware and the network folks are responsible for that cable that plugs into the server right but where i think the challenge becomes is there's that gray area of of that v switch and who really owns that right because when you go to troubleshoot that right the vmware guys typically aren't network savvy right so and the vm and the network guys can't see into the v switch so you you end up with this gray area that's that's a challenge to troubleshoot quite frankly
4: yeah without question um i I think the dichotomy between a compute team or someone who runs uh, an opinionated hypervisor and the network team it's different in almost every organization most typically um the compute team is responsible for virtual network constructs whereas the network team is responsible for the aci constructs and really what we wanted to do with vmm was provide a tool where we could unify that now, the politics or religious battles between those two teams, notwithstanding, VMM can allow a unification of that workflow. And and I think most organizations who invoke VMM, they do it because they have someone who understands the value of a single source of truth, and that is value to remove human error. If you're only configuring a network construct one time and then sending it to multiple places, you are reducing the number of different humans that are touching it and potentially fat framing a VLAN ID or a default gateway. Yep. The other, uh, I think, really interesting thing about VMM is the same thing from a day two perspective. If you don't have visibility from a network operations perspective to VMs. And I mean, what hypervisors are they on? What type of metadata are they coming with? Can we use that metadata to associate those with, say, an EPG or an ESG? Then we're really blind to troubleshooting that occurs within the virtualized environment. And to conjoin those is very powerful from a meantime to, I guess, meantime to innocence, if uh, I know you've heard that term. Oh, yeah. I I, all heard that term, right? Sometimes it's all, yeah, right. Uh, Or the hat, I think a hat. That would be a better we, we should get hats Amy Lee, for the next 1 that has me time to that's innocence that's, uh, on the hat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so th- that's a, uh, that, that's a really good question. And I think if you find if you find someone in the organization that really understands the value of unifying those to the end requester. So, to the application person, the application person doesn't have to uh, not have their application turned up in time because someone made a mistake. The application uh, user doesn't have to wait while a ticket is handed off between the network team and the compute team. That the the application owner doesn't even necessarily have to wait for service now construct where he is, he or she is inputting things to get to the automation platform to get to the fabric to get to the hypervisor. So I think. It's, it's really recognizing the value, the business outcome, not necessarily the technical outcome, the business outcome that
1: comes from folks that are requesting these constructs. Mm. Yeah. I can tell you, you now I'm working for a specific customer um, and they actually are deploying ACI Fabric. And one of the requirements that they have is like uh, day zero, it needs to be already automated. So they're using exactly what they have today, right? They have like a, a, a hypervisor infrastructure that they have today and they're using whatever tools that they're uh, that they use within the company, which is Terraform. And then, for example, uh, for their CI, cd they use GitLab. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're actually using this one to push the configuration. And it's one of the things that they wanted to test out is actually how the integration does uh, uh, come together actually with ACI. So which means basically that you do the RSI the API, the APIC is then responsible for configuring uh, automatically your network constructs whether it is on ACI itself, on the, the physical hardware boxes, of course, and then the VMware integration. So one of the questions that I have, and we talked about a little bit with Nutanix, and you guys have announced, uh, I guess, um, if you're living on Mars, you probably missed it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess uh, maybe maybe you can explain a little bit now why the, the integration with Nutanix is so uh, visible right now. Sure, yeah, Alexander,
4: so we, we definitely just came to market with a Cisco company wide partnership with Nutanix. Uh, I, I can't speak really to the driving factors from a big Cisco perspective. However, I can definitely speak to it from a data center networking perspective and really it's about trends that we see in the market. Um, we've seen a notable increase in Greenfield deployments of Nutanix. And, and why that is, I think a lot of different people have a lot of different theories, but to embody why we decided to come to market with Nutanix now, it actually was not driven by the big Cisco announcement. It was driven by specific customer demand for customers that are starting to deploy Nutanix in Greenfield, and they needed the integration because they had used the integration with another hypervisor, maybe Hyper-V, maybe VMware. And they wanted to have that parity with ACI with Nutanix. So what's really interesting is after that customer led development, we really saw an uptick from, from big Cisco's perspective, from a compute perspective, from a visibility perspective. Um, So it it, it just fit really nicely at at the moment from a Nutanix perspective.
3: So, so you're saying that that customers have actually driven this integration because they loved. VMM integration with let's say VMware and you know now they wanted to see that with Nutanix.
4: That's exactly right. And when yeah. we built when we built the requirements document for Nutanix. Most of the customers that we're asking for, they're also VMware customers. I also, I also see a lot of uh, vendor diversification in the hypervisor space, just like any uh, yeah. any any it org that wants to limit their risk by buying m- multiple vendors. But many customers said, we want the Nutanix integration to behave identically to the VMware integration, so we, we obliged. Now, now, Nutanix and uh, Prism and AHV have some capabilities that VMware doesn't have, and VMware has capabilities that Nutanix doesn't have. And we're certainly open to developing those customized hooks based on APIs, based on customer demand.
2: So what you're saying is reach out to you on LinkedIn and tell you exactly what you what what, what the customers need, <laughs> like you, well, you well, want I mean, the it, feedback.
4: Yeah, well, in many ways, you, you just described my day job. There, that's pretty much what right. I do all day. I listen, <laughs> I listen to customers and I, I look for trends and I look for business cases and business outcomes, uh, and then I try to influence. Uh, the the feature pipeline for ACI. <laughs> you
2: know one of the call outs that I think is like really critical is like anything with SDN you have to like I mean one of the things like I've done a bunch of podcasts on SDN in various flavors whether it's SD-WAN or in the data center or just campus orchestration right The the one thing that always comes up is trust right you have to trust your SDN controller because like it's like then you can you can wipe your network at scale the the thing that I think is really important to call out with VMM and it's it's it's, it's independent of the actual manufacturer uh that that is being integrated with is that this is not some sort of like proprietary you know sacrifice a chicken uh uh, integration methodology where like you're, you're you have like some shim that's installed or some proprietary software this is all like published documented API calls that use that vendor native you know, API that's already out there and published for this exact reason. It's just Cisco is taking the heavy lift of having to, like, deal with all of that and just cooking it right into the, the ACI product. Yeah.
4: Uh, right. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, every API that we leverage for any type 1 hypervisor comes literally out of their public API spec, their supported public A- A, um, API spec and the value, I would say, in, in addition to. A customer could build their own VMM integration because it's based on public APIs. They could build it themselves. The problem is many smaller enterprises or even medium sized enterprises really don't have an appetite or an ROI to do that. They would rather Cisco do the heavy lifting. And to me, the heavy lifting is. Upgrades, what happens when the API of the uh, third party changes? Mm-hmm. What happens when the ACI uh, APIC changes? Uh, API changes because we've upgraded that keeping that versioning in sync so that the user experience remains seamless is in fact, a heavy lift and that's really the big value. That's a great point. Liam. Yeah, yeah.
3: when I talk to customers about this, because this is a really critical piece, right? When I talk to customers that are kind of on the fence about doing VMM integration, right? One of the things I tell them is like, okay, you have. Uh, PowerShell scripts, or you have some other automation that you're using today to to create these poor groups. And, you know, why not let that go to the network folks? Because then, you know, you're just doing the compute side of the house. Why, you know, let, let the network guys do the networking and the compute guys, you know, they just, go up to the NIC level, right? And that makes it a lot easier because now the network has visibility into the infrastructure. Because one of the things that VMM integration does, and I think you alluded to this, was that it actually gives you port level visibility to the to the VNIC of the actual VM. That's right? right. So I can see traffic flows, I can see where that VM is on which host, which port. So for troubleshooting purposes, it's kind of a no-brainer to do it quite frankly
4: yeah and, and another good point one thing we really haven't even touched on is this notion of vm metadata Correct. and this is this is mostly this is the visibility use case but but the visibility use case can be parlayed into the policy use case so if you think about what can be tagged in a hypervisor on a vm uh, things like tags things like vm name things like os version ACI can actually use those things for classification at the policy level. And when I say classification, I mean, what if I wanted to put VMs running Windows into a endpoint security group? What if I wanted to uh, look at um, Linux VMs tagged with uh, uh, infected and put them in a quarantine EPG or ESG that can't talk to anything else. So it's the, the metadata that ACI can parse that is tagged by the hypervisor. The use cases there are really They're, they're tremendous and we have a lot of customers that are bringing us use cases for ESG with VMM that we never even dreamed of when we developed the feature. In fact, that's happening a lot. Now, as ACI has matured, I mean, ACI is coming up on 10 years old Mm -hmm. and, and if you've heard me speak about it before, you know, I say it's ahead of its time really around the time of the advent of public cloud. When when network and compute and IT engineers realized that everything in public cloud is configured behind a single API, I think it dawned on a lot of folks that really APIC and ACI is really a, a public cloud-like controller. That runs on prem and because of that, we've seen use cases for automation sort of uh, explode and we've also had customers really starting to realize the true power of ACI and bringing use cases to the product management team. That frankly, either we hadn't thought of that's normal (laughs) or, or that uh, really were different from the intent. Of the feature, for example, the endpoint security group feature was meant to be uh, a, a bucket of like of workloads that could be, you know, put in a contract or used in policy based redirect. But what we find is a huge number of folks are using that for auditing and compliance. They're putting. Like workloads, whether they're VM. Uh, bare metal or container and a single ESG and they're using that based on their business outcomes and based on their patterns of business activity to create auditing assurance and compliance assurance. And I guess we could have foreseen that, but a big uptick in in that feature is, is actually not security. Although it's, it's perfectly um, okay to use it like that.
1: Yeah. I like the fact that you talked about the ESG and, 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 you know, like, um, um. You told you told us as well that ACI has been matured, right? I mean, I started out with ACI. It was version one dot something, right? So if you see where we are right now, and I think uh, one of the things that that came from this is the simplification that you guys are doing as well. And ESG is one of the things, right? If you, you all know that with EPG, there were some limitations and ESG is trying to, you know, like, build on, on, on limitations of what else. And maybe you can talk a little bit as well, because, um, you know, about simplification that you guys have done on the product itself,
4: sure, and and you know I'm happy to speak about the ACI journey very transparently. So feedback that we got in the early days of ACI had to do with complexity, and really how we can simplify the process of configuring network constructs in ACI. And this is something that we take very seriously, and that you know, frankly, we listen to. Um, yeah. I listen to it every day. So ESG is a good example. ESG is a VRF-wide construct, so instead of being constrained by L2 uh, boundary, what, like you are with an EPG, ESG can contain those EPGs, or it can contain endpoints stretching across a 3 boundary, but more importantly, it lowers the TCAM consumption, which allows you to scale your policy a lot more. So, a couple other items, if I could. Uh, about simplification in ACI. We've recently, uh, in the ACI 6.0 release, we've recently simplified the interface configuration model, literally based on feedback directly received, <laughs> yeah. probably for some folks on the call and <laughs> from, from some other customers. And so, and the feedback we've gotten about that, there's a webinar out there if you want to look at it, is uh, is tremendous about the simplification effort. And then finally, for those of you that are into Terraformer automation, uh, our TME team and combination with our CX team has developed something called Nexus's code
0: where right. we are
4: abstracting the ACI API into consumable workflows from using Terraform or Ansible so that we are really simplifying how a customer might interact with ACI. So instead of 10 clicks in a GUI or, or 20 clicks in a GUI, we can actually use a YAML file and put some variables and then using the ACI API, we can deploy those. You know, again, I, I like to say we can deploy intent Across hundreds of switches and potentially thousands of ports uh, with a single API call, which is very powerful and
2: and, and shameless plug for the Cisco champions podcast uh, (laughs) You can go pull up season 10 episode 3 where Jim Rob and I, and and 2 of the other champs did a, uh, a whole podcast just on 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 terraform for ACI and if you have not seen it it's cisco.com slash go slash nexus's code everybody should be using it it is yeah. fantastic and, so, and,
4: no, and now hey Liam now now we know, now we <laughs> know each
2: other
1: yeah.
4: exactly, <laughs> before the podcast exactly. started yeah. we we're talking about we, we look familiar it's yes shockingly for another podcast yes
1: I think that's this is really the nexus's code yeah you're right Liam it's very easy for customers to take away uh, automation I mean of course you know um, the learning curve, when you start out with ACI, you need to do everything manually. Of course, if you've never done it, it might be looking like a jungle, right? You need to weed, right. uh, run it through. And and I think here with the simplification of what, uh, uh, what Jim just highlighted, and specifically also with the Nexus as code, I think it is really powerful. And you can, like, you don't need to even know Terraform by heart or all the models. No, there's so stuff much like stuff
3: that. out there publicly, yeah. So, so, for, so for customers that, you know that are an xos and they're they're thinking about do I go ACI do I go EVPN um you know wh- where do we see that big uptick i mean i know alex you do a lot of installs you do pretty much nothing but ACI True. you know i sell, i saw sell a lot of ACI i do you know help a lot of customers out i mean i'm seeing more ACI installs than VXLAN EVP, are, quite frankly, and I think it's because of how simplified and how easy it is to automate. I'm just kind of curious what the other other folks are seeing out there.
1: Yeah, you're right, Michael. So what I'm seeing, and specifically, actually, because I'm based out of Europe, mm-hmm. um, I see ACI has a lot of a um, lot of ground actually in Europe, and a lot of people are still moving to ACI. Uh, okay. New customers actually are adopting it. And it doesn't matter, you know, like um, uh, one of the use cases that most of the customers are coming from, they have like this still classic DCI interconnect layer two with spanning tree all over the place. Mm. And of course, then they're talking about, okay, what do we want to do? Are we going to use NXOS or whatever other vendor that is available and build VXL on ourself, And we need to have some skilled engineers that understand all of the, the components, or are we looking at some other topology, uh, technologies like ACI? Uh, and having the abstract that you don't need to have the in-depth knowledge about all of the underlying protocols. And this is something that I'm seeing really in, in Europe at least. And, and I guess it's, it's, it's a trend, uh, over the pond as well, I guess yeah that people are actually moving into the still looking into ACI as a product. And yeah, if you look at the, the maturity of the product, it's incredible. And also the, the enhancement that's been announced now as well with the new version. So.
2: You know, you mentioned you mentioned that like like the 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 single API and not having to do the abstraction, right? And and Jim, you mentioned something earlier about the public cloud providers and ACI being the on-premise sort of version of a public cloud. Like I, I think that just just for our listeners that may be, you know, coming from a traditional networking role, you know, with with confetti and, and and more of the command line, you know, approach, and then having like a you know, maybe a skill the skill gap between public cloud providers and API and Terraform, like ACI is the perfect, it is the perfect, like, I don't use case to be able to leverage like your networking knowledge and like, API and automation-based knowledge to, like, like once you learn ACI, you pretty much know every cloud provider that's out there. You just have to figure out what what everybody calls everything because it's, like, the same constructs. It's just it's a VNet in one place and a virtual network in another and something's, Mm -hmm. something's a third. And it's, like, nothing. there's no more mystery once you sort of climb the hill of ACI, which is, like, once you kind of go through it, you're, like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just I, I think it's just like, you know, when, when I talk to people about this, it's so important to know it's like, no, this is a great technology to be able to bridge that gap. I mean, I'm curious, you know, from, from Michael and Alexander, like, are you guys seeing that same thing? And are you, you guys having that that conversation with uh, customers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, like I mentioned a little bit early in the in the, in, in, in the podcast is like I'm doing this customer integration with ACI or a new deployment. So it's we're setting up a proof concept. And you won't have like day zero automation. So I'm actually using the Nexus code to build my whole infrastructure. And I said, like, I, I don't want to deploy 50 manual switches oh. and do everything manually and, you know, like run through all of the profiles within ACI. So I just built it based on nexus of code. And I think this is really powerful and I'm not a programmer. I like to tinker yeah. a bit, you know, like everybody knows a little bit of Python nowadays, yeah. I mean, if you're not, if you're not up to speed, of course, you know, but i think it's really it's really great i mean yeah i don't know how, how about you uh, yeah. michael
3: yeah i mean what, what i'm seeing is again i you know i'm really been focused the last couple of years on building out um, a lot of aci content and a lot of labs right so
0: oh. you know
3: if, if you do go to uh, the worldwide technology site you will see uh we have what we call learning paths so we just created these learning paths uh probably like two months ago and they're going to take you through basically not knowing anything about aci to being an aci expert right so, so multiple i could do
0: labs. it i could be an expert
3: yep. you could be an expert and oh,
0: that's um, a tall order and
3: i'm seeing i'm seeing these labs get launched multiple times a day uh we have thousands we've had thousands of people run through these so it is getting consumed there's a lot of people looking at it and there's a lot of people doing it so it's not going anywhere and it's actually it's it's hockey sticking um, you know, from adoption standpoint, as far as I can say,
4: no and, and I, I echo that sentiment, Michael uh, from where I sit uh, from a product management perspective, the the adoption and the interest in ACI is going up based on, in my view, customers realizing the power of ACI, perhaps that they' never realized before. Mm-hmm. And, and one of those use cases that we have reported to us by the field is this notion of ACI as the anchor. The on-prem anchor in a hybrid cloud network where customers are using a single abstraction layer, let's call it Terraform. And I use Terraform because ACI is uh, really the only SDN on the market with BU-supported Terraform provider, but mostly because Terraform has become the de facto standard in public cloud. So we have customers coming across my desk that are using Terraform to abstract all of their network constructs between ACI and one or more public clouds. We also have some using Ansible for that, but due to Terraform's inroads and in public cloud, it's mostly Terraform. It's just another example to me of sort of these advanced use cases, which are actually leveraging technology that's been around for five or six years, but really starting to understand those in the context of public cloud and how we can use ACI uh, using the existing features for very innovative use cases
3: yeah
1: let's just let you know so it's kind of funny I, I I use Python to create yaml files and then deploy terraform those yaml files so that's actually configuring the ACI fabric so it's kind of it's kind of funny you know like uh, and, and I'm actually using ansible to configure the isN or the IPN network so it's kind of like I'm using everything at the same time. So it's kind of it's kind of great. So and you see the the flexibility. Yeah, I I I just want to highlight. I mean the flexibility that you have. It doesn't mean to be Terraform or Ansible or you can you can use you know for all I care you can use Bash to create YAML files and use that YAML file to be pushed by Terraform. So there is a lot of uh for every customer there is something available for them whatever yeah. they're using today within the company. Yeah.
4: And the ACI API does not discriminate. Right? I mean, True. an API call, is an API call. It Can come out of something like postman. It can come out. of. Yeah, we don't. Manageable. We don't.
1: Yeah, indeed. And we don't need an agent. No, anyway. that's important. I think this no is agents. really something. Huh? I mean, let's be honest. If you have a virtual machine or you have a physical machine, you don't need to install an agent to be able to do something. Right? So I think that's really, it's really great. Uh, yeah.
2: Well, and, 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 and ACI exists to make people's lives easier. And I think that this is, I mean, I think this is one of the things that people don't realize is like, you know, I I talked to somebody, at I don't know, a trade show or whatever that was like, hey, you know, I spent three days mapping static ports to EPGs manually. And it's just like, you know, we we sat down and I was just like, oh my God, there is a better way to do it. Let's use the API inspector. Let's just do like a simple XML. Like it, like it's nothing even fancy. It's like a copy and paste and just a yeah. push. And it's like you, and, and and to to be perfectly fair, people don't know what they don't know. But it's like if you're struggling with ACI, like reach out to your partner, reach out to your account manager, reach out to the TSAs that are that that are on the on your account and and ask the questions like, hey, how can we make day one, day zero day one day two operations easier because the resources are out there and it is you there's no extra cost there's no extra any it's it's like right there and you can go from 0 to 1 on some of these automation tasks with with just zero effort or negligible effort I should I should say I mean it's super accessible it's like my I could I could soapbox on this for like a day so. <laughs> I think or Jim can't get a word in edgewise on his podcast <laughs> yeah. no i think <laughs> the thing that. is also
4: Go ahead. I'm sorry, no, no, no go
2: ahead, Jim. Go ahead.
4: Just... I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> the um, <laughs> I think a lot of that, Liam, has to do with automation yeah. culture in some enterprises, and the way I see that um, sort of come to the surface is a lot of feature requests come across my desk as a faster way to configure things in ACI via the GUI, maybe a batch tool or maybe something in the GUI, a button that I could press that makes things faster, like say the deployment of a thousand bridge domains or yeah. the, the deployment of, you know, a long contract or something like that. And when I collaborate with our technical marketing engineering team. Uh, their typical feedback is why don't we, instead of developing that feature, why don't we instead educate, uh, and try to change the automation culture in an enterprise to show how using the API is really the way that we want customers to leverage ACI because a lot of the things that can be that, that is difficult to speed up with a point-and-click GUI is quite simple to do using uh, the API and so that's that's a really nice dovetail I think into automation culture and how really we, we're sort of pressing the issue for lack of a better word with ACI's capability and that's another thing that I think customers are sort of realizing after after 10 years
3: I mean I think there's 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 a, a host of scripts out there that that are there for public consumption that you could just take and and modify for your own use, right? I mean that stuff is has been out there for years that you can just, you know, use to create these bridge domains and EPGs and things like that. You just have to go in there and you know modify it to your use and run it through Postman or whatever.
1: Yeah, indeed. And the thing is also, you know, what I like about ACI, and I'm I'm just talking about experience. I'm I'm still a geek, and I like still doing CLI stuff. You know, it's 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 part of who I am. Um, but if you look at the ACI, also the flexibility what you use ACI for. I mean, yes, it is a data center uh, technology that provides uh, layer two adjacency of layer three network if required, right? You can have independent fabrics using multi site, you know, all that stuff. But for example had this this uh, this uh, discussion with uh, one of the guys uh, from your team Jim about the customer that actually uses ACI as a transit network which means basically it's just using it as a routing instance between different different locations and you see that that's what also is so interesting with ACI i mean use cases come up and different customers have different needs uh, for example also you know like uh, integration with multicast flows Mm -hmm. Um, customer in aerospace right so you can see how everything comes together and like what the flexibility is and what you can do i mean if you look at version one point (laughs) something where we are right now it's like at those 10 years that's that's a lot of work done by you guys and and
4: really it's a testament to our customers and it's a testament to our engineering folks and our technical marketing engineers and folks like you guys who are advocating aci and really helping to make it better so Thank you. Uh, Uh Thank you for that. Yeah.
0: Jim, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to address before we close? I think we did an amazing job. This was a great conversation.
4: I I, I always enjoy these. Uh, I enjoy. Get, hearing feedback from from folks that are using ACI in the field and, and talking to customers every day, so no, nothing. I mean, like I said, we could probably do this podcast for four or five hours. Uh, and uh, uh, Someone someone would lose their voice uh, before we probably decided <laughs> to quit. And, I'm, and I'm, one, one time we should do it in person,
1: Amy Lee. That'd I'm, be even I'm on my way <laughs> to lose my, to my voice. Right, I'm getting close too.
0: <laughs> it was a great conversation. Okay, so I'll close. Uh, To our listeners, if you want to continue your learning on today's topic, we will uh, provide some links in the show notes below. And of course, make sure to subscribe to Cisco champion radio on your favorite streaming platform. So you can receive alerts on our latest releases. Thank you for tuning in. See you next episode.